Good morning. If you have a Bible, would you turn to Exodus 15, 22 through 26, and then we're going to end up in Matthew 8, 1 through 4. Um, you can use that code if you want to scan the code, and it'll take you right there in your Bible app, or we've got ushers who have Bibles coming down the aisle. If you need one, just slip a hand up. We'd love to get one in your hands. Thanks for being here and worshiping with us this morning, and those who are joining us online. Usually when you go to the doctor, one of the first questions, especially if you're in pain, that they will ask you is, how much pain are you in? And, and uh, they'll ask you on a scale of one to 10. Um, and then they'll have all these different fa- faces that kind of represent the, the scale. And then you say, well, I'm a seven or I'm a two or whatever it might be. Now imagine Jesus, the great physician, asking you the same question. How much pain are you in? I think it's safe to say that we're all dealing with the same problem, and that is that we all need healing of some sort. And the solution is the same for all of us. In the Old Testament, Jehovah was known as the great healer. And you fast forward to the New Testament, and Jesus is known as the great healer. In Matthew 9, 12, um, it says, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And in order that we fully grasp Jesus as a healer, let's continue and take a look at the names of God, and this morning is Jehovah Rapha. So far in the series, we've learned that Jehovah is the great I am, or I am who I am, and Jehovah Jireh is the God who provides. His healing power knows no boundaries and can affect every area of your life and my life. God is Jehovah Rapha, and he loves to heal his people. The word Rapha implies physical, emotional, and spiritual healing. God heals the body, God heals the soul, and the spirit, all levels of man's being. Exodus 15, 22 through 26. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink it because it was bitter. That is why they called this place Marah. So the people grumbled against Moses saying, what are we supposed to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water and the water became fit to drink. There the Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them and put them to the test. You might remember a couple weeks ago we talked about how the Lord doesn't tempt us, but at times tests us. In verse 26, he said, if you listen carefully to the Lord, your God, and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all of his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. So after God had freed his people out of captivity, you remember that Moses was out attended to his flock, he saw this burning bush, and God spoke to him through the burning bush, said, hey, go to Egypt and free my people. So this is, this is after that. And so they've gone through the Red Sea, and now they're in the desert wandering around for three days so far, and they couldn't find any water. They had no water to drink. And as you might imagine, three days with no water, they were tired, they were cranky, and literally, you could say that they were dying of thirst. Then finally, they came to this spot called Mara, only to discover there that the water that was available was bitter, and they couldn't drink it. What did they do in their desperate situation? What do you do in your desperate situation? 
Well, first, let me tell you what they didn't do. They had already forgotten that God was Jehovah, the great I am. And that God was Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. A few days in the desert and they'd forgotten all about God. A few days of hardship and God is out of sight, out of mind. It's easy to do, isn't it? How quickly we forget who God is. The trivial and and the tyranny of the urgent takes over and we find ourselves consumed with our own little world of struggle and hurt and pain. And just like them, we shift our attention completely away from God onto something or someone that we can either blame or that can give us a fix. The time and energy we use, even in our headspace, to find blame is staggering. If we could spend as much time turning our attention to God as we find someone to blame, it's your fault that I'm in this situation, it's your fault that I'm experiencing this, I think, in fact, I know we would be reminded how quickly of who God is. So instead of introducing their desperate situation to God, instead of saying, hey God, we've been out in this desert for three days, all we have is water that's bitter drink. Instead of doing that, they were more interested in looking for a source. Where do we target our blame? And the source for them was Moses. Instead of asking God to provide them something to drink, they turned their undivided attention to Moses and they said, what are we supposed to drink, Moses? As if this was all his fault. And so all eyes are on Moses. And when that happens, none of their eyes were on God. When our eyes are on a solution, when our eyes are on a person to blame, our eyes are not on God. What do you spend more time looking at in your life? Your circumstances? your struggle, or God. I said this a couple weeks ago, but sometimes what we find ourselves doing is looking at life through our circumstances, looking at life through our our struggles, our hurt, our trials, and when we do that, we don't see God. Life looks messy and hopeless and discouraging. My mom, uh, in her uh, late years, struggled with macular degeneration, which is an eye disease where the peripheral vision starts to get blurry and all you can see basically is straight ahead and it's tunnel vision. And I wonder sometimes in, in our journey through life if that isn't, uh, at least I find myself doing this on occasion, like I just look at the here and now and the circumstances and the, and the trials and, and, the, and the challenges in life and I'm not able to see beyond those things. I'm thinking that Moses is beginning to wonder about this, this whole thing as well. The people are getting agitated and then he says to the people, just, just give me a few minutes, okay? I just need to go off by myself. And he goes over and he begins to pray and while he's praying, it's so God interrupts him and, and, he's, and, he's, and he's focused on God and God says, hey, do you, do you see that stick over there? And Moses is like, no, <laughs> what stick, God? And, and God just kept at him and saying, do you see that stick over there? fine, I see the stick. What do you want me to do? Go over, pick up the stick, and throw it into the water. And when he throws it into the water, the water goes from bitter to clean, and and they're able to drink it. And he's able to say to the people, friends, come over here now. The water is good to drink. It was right then that the Lord stepped in and made a decree, saying, if you listen carefully and do what is right in my eyes, If you pay attention to the commands that I have given you, 
I will not bring on you any of the diseases, for I am Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. Today, I, want us, I really want us to explore three different areas of life that we often need healing. Hoping and praying that we experience and that we encounter God in this place right here, right now, as the almighty God, the all-powerful God. The three areas. Jehovah Rapha and physical healing. Matthew 8, 1 through 4 says this. When he came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cured of leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone. But go, show yourself to the priests and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. And I, and I read that story and I read other stories and I think that's a really cool story. That's a really powerful story. But the question that comes to mind and maybe um, I want us to wrestle with this morning is does God still do that today? Does Jesus still do that today? Or did he just do that in a three-year window when he was 30 to 33 as he went about the lands performing all these incredible miracles? Does God still physically heal people today? The great Christian debate. Does God still interact in the physical realm at all? The New Testament is filled with story after story after story of God's healing, yet we struggle with the reality of God's healing power. Are we afraid of it? Do we deny it? Do we question it? Don't wait for God's ability and power to heal to make sense. If you wait for it all to make sense, then you will never believe because our finite selves could never make complete sense of God and our finite selves could never make complete sense of his power. Consider Jesus' time here on this earth. He was never asked if he could perform miracles by the skeptics. The skeptics never came to say, Jesus, can you perform miracles? He was always questioned as to where he received the power and the authority to perform such miracles. It wasn't his ability that was in question. It was his authority. It was impossible for the people of that day to deny the fact that Jesus was performing miracles. They were happening right before their eyes. Literally hundreds of people were being healed with no other explanation. Nobody had an answer other than this Jesus. So Jesus, where is your authority? Once we assume and accept the power of God, miracles are no longer a problem. If a person can solve their belief of God and his power to create and design the universe, then how is it possible to question his ability of being able to heal a human life? Of what value is it to claim God to be sovereign or all-powerful and not believe in the display of sovereignty or that power? If we go through life, this life blinded by the supernatural, then we are only seeing what we want to see and are only experiencing these small glimpses of God. And it isn't the small glimpses that will cause us to stand in awe of God. It's his mighty power. It's the unexplainable that will cause us to stand in awe. Just how big and powerful is God? Do you believe?
that God can heal a person physically. Do you believe that? I was told after the first service to ask the question twice. Do you believe that God can heal a person physically? And here's why the guy asked me to ask it twice. He said two years ago, he had stage four cancer. Wasn't expected to live. And God completely healed him. And he said he so badly in the first service wanted to jump up and shout and come up here and tell his story. That God possesses the power, he's Jehovah Rapha, and that he can heal. Just how big and powerful is God? Are you seeing and experiencing only what you're comfortable with? I think no doubt his healing power is, I think to doubt his healing power is to doubt God. To miss the miraculous is to miss God. The inability for God to perform miracles today would say that either he doesn't care about us, he refuses to be involved, or he's satisfied with just the way things are. What would God need to do in your life for you to believe that he is Jehovah Rapha? When I use the word physical, yes, I'm talking about the physical human body, but I'm also talking about the physical reality that we live in. Physical miracles are more than just healing someone from a disease. Physical miracles are also his provision, his, his intervention. I grew up in a pretty conservative church, and I attended a very conservative seminary. I don't ever remember talking about God healing anyone. That was not a topic that we ever discussed, at least according to my recollection. But here's where my life journey has led me today. I don't have to spend all of my time trying to figure out what God can and can't do. When people, when people ask me a question, do you think that this is possible, or do you think that that, that could happen, or you think, I don't know. Especially if it's out of the ordinary, I don't know but I don't have to waste all of my brain energy and all of my time wondering, can God do that or doesn't God do that? If God is big enough to design and create the universe in which we live in, then I think he can handle healing a physical body if he so chooses to do so. If he can't accomplish that, then we have a little itty bitty God. And why are we here? I mean, let's be honest. There, there is much about God that doesn't make sense. Yeah, we can't explain this miraculous power. Can you explain his grace? Can you explain forgiveness? Can you explain the Trinity? Can you explain the cross? I believe God still to this day performs miracles in the physical realm in which we live in. I believe that God is the master of impossibilities. I, I believe, I pray for physical healing all the time for people. It's just an expression of my heart's desire and my faith in him. Ultimately, God will do whatever he chooses to do that will somehow bring him the most glory. But listen to this, his glory always supersedes our personal desire. It must. 
it's rare for a week to go by here on Sunday morning and for me to walk out of here and somebody says, hey, can you, can you pray for me or can you pray for my loved one or my brother or my sister, whoever it is, would you just pray for that? And it's my honor and it's my privilege to pray with people. But I always pray for God's glory to supersede my desire. And there are times, of course, when, when we pray like this, God, if, if, you're, if you're asking me or if you wanna know what my heart is or you wanna know my deepest desire, if this is my desire that, that you would do this. But above that, I, I want your desire, God. Jehovah Rapha and emotional healing. Psalm 147, three. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. There is no doubt in my mind that both men and women, young and old, are in desperate need of emotional healing. Some of you just checked out because you you don't like to play in this world. Trying to figure out how do we merge the Christian faith and emotion. Much of anger, irrational behavior, negative cycles is the result of unresolved emotional trauma and pain. And Jesus knows all about it. It's not what you see in a person often, it's what you don't see. What you see in a person is often telling a story of what you don't see. You've heard it said, hurting people hurt people. A person who has not dealt with emotional pain is a dangerous person. They're they're not their true selves because they're living behind and through the hurt and the pain and therefore ceasing to be the person that God has created them to be. People who need emotional healing are people who are experiencing emotional bondage from all different periods of time, right? You go back to childhood. Maybe it happened when when you were a child. Maybe it was physical or verbal or emotional abuse. Maybe you were abandoned. Maybe you were neglected. Maybe it was an adult. Maybe you have been in a traumatic relationship where you were hurt or it's divorce or it's loss of a loved one or being a victim of a crime or substance abuse or loss of employment or maybe you've been abandoned and fear people leaving you. Maybe you've been told that you're not good enough and you actually believe that you're not good enough. And as the result of emotional hurt and pain, an individual may find themselves in a hole in the ground feeling like there's no escape ladder. Sometimes we might say, I don't have any emotional pain. I wonder what the people around us would say if we asked them. They may find themselves plagued with feelings of worthlessness or hopelessness. Some hide their pain or avoid facing their emotional trauma by resorting to destructive behavior like alcohol or drug abuse or aggression or or denial. God is Jehovah Rapha. He's the God who heals. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Let's unpack that one verse. The first word I want to look at is brokenhearted. Here's what it means. It means to to break into pieces, to violently crush, to rupture, 
to be maimed, to be crippled, wrecked, shattered. I think we get the picture. To be brokenhearted is to be broken into pieces. It hurts. And some of you here this morning know exactly what I'm talking about right now. Think of it like this. A person gets into a serious car accident and they're and their leg is completely shattered. And then they go into surgery and the doctor puts their leg back together again. And they go through this entire process of learning to walk again. He heals the brokenhearted. He puts it back together. Isaiah 61.1 echoes the same promise when it says this. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Maybe that was just Old Testament. I don't think so. These verses remind us that there is healing for the brokenhearted. I don't know about you, but that offers a tremendous amount of hope and comfort knowing that there are many people who need to know God as Jehovah Rapha in the deep places of life, in the dark places of life. Some of you have those deep places in life and the dark places in life and nobody knows about it. He heals the brokenhearted. The next two words, the words bind up, it's this idea to tie or bind about, like a headband. This past summer, we went on vacation to Washington. We visited the place where I was born, the house that I lived in when I was born, and directly across the street was this little clinic. It's this little old town ran to Washington between the two big mountains in Washington. And we lived there, and um, when I was not quite two years old, I was in the backyard playing, and we had this antenna on a clothesline pole that, that blew over, and one of the prongs stuck me in the head. And my mom grabbed me, and she rushed me over to the clinic across the street, and the doctor said, he's not gonna live. And, and immediately she took a, a whatever she had and put it on my head, and, and uh, we rushed to Tacoma, which is over an hour away, and to this day, you can, I have a big scar and I have kind of a bump on my head where that antenna hit me. But it, that's what I picture, is this idea of a bandage of being held there. The word heal in Psalm 147.3 is the Hebrew word rafa, which means to heal, to sew together, or to mend. Stitch by stitch. What's the purpose of stitches? To hold our wound together so it has time to heal. That's the picture I get when I think of this word rafa, to heal. What it does for us emotionally. Do you need emotional healing? Do you know God to be Jehovah Rapha? Are you dealing with emotional pain or hurt? Um, we have a counseling center here. It just so happens my wife, Lori, is the director of a counseling center. Um, we have people go to the desk after the first service and ask about it, and we got some literature there now, so if anybody um, needs that service, please go and check that out. Last year I was at a conference and I went to the same conference a couple weeks ago, I was in the same place 
And, but last year, um, we, they had all these booths outside and they're handing out all these free things and there was this organization there called fullstrength.org and they were handing all these cards out to everybody and the idea was that people in ministry apparently need counseling or coaching as well. And so we all took one and I took it away and I, I can't tell you how many people I've told about that. Hey, here's an organization, check this out. Or I take a picture of it, send it to somebody and say, here's an organization, $15 a month, how can you go wrong? You get, you get 12 sessions of counseling or coaching. And then, and then just a couple weeks ago, I was going through stuff on my desk and I was just kind of moving stuff around and there was that card again. And I'm like, man, this card keeps showing up. So I just said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna check it out. So I emailed them and then they said, they have counselors and coaches all over the United States and they said, uh, we're gonna put you in touch with this particular uh, counseling center and, and they called me and they asked them, I had to fill out this little survey and the guy that runs the counseling center um, uh, said that he, nobody gets in to see him. And, but, Somebody had walked into his office and said, hey, here's a pastor of a large church in North Dakota. Would you be willing to talk with him? And he said, absolutely. So I had my first session, and now I'm great. I'm fixed. <laughs> right? No. I got 11 more. I got 11 more. It doesn't go away that quickly. Jehovah Rapha and spiritual healing. 1 Peter 2.24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. I love that verse. Spiritual healing is the most important healing that you need to know about and receive this morning or ever. For a moment, think of, I want you to think of sin kind of like cancer. You were born with cancer, a horrible disease that unless, unless you receive healing, you will live life experiencing all of the side effects. And when it comes your turn to die, you will leave this earth, your body filled with cancer, only to enter an eternity apart from God. We were born with this terminal illness that unless we find healing, we will, we will live with and we will die with, affected by this disease of sin. When Jesus went to the tree, he took upon himself all the sins of mankind, past, present, and future, right? He was our substitute, the innocent. He took the place of the guilty, that's us. It was a one-time deal. From God's perspective, it was the only way. So imagine Jesus hanging on the tree, bearing the full burden and the weight of your sin, the weight of my sin, and we could just think of our own lives and think, oh my goodness, that's a lot of weight. That's a lot of sin. And then we think, oh now times that times a billion, and then a billion again, or how many people have ever lived? Why did he do that? And the second part gives us the answer, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. That's why he did it so that we might die to sin and present ourselves as instruments of righteousness. Because without Jesus, we are alive to sin and dead to Christ. With Jesus, we're dead to sin and alive in Christ. And we can live cancer-free only because of what Jesus did for us on the tree. When we admit our need for him and ask for forgiveness, he has made a way for us to have a new life. Do you have that life? In Christ. By his wounds, we've been healed. Because of his willingness to be mocked, because of his willingness to be spit upon, his willingness to be kicked, all the things that he went through, 
By his wounds, we've been healed. When he died, we died. When he was buried, we were buried. When he was resurrected, we were resurrected. When he ascended, we ascended. Physically, you live here right now. You could touch a person next to you. But positionally, in Christ, you are seated at the right hand of the Father with Jesus. It's there where you can find your position in Christ. I just finished this series on heaven, right? And, and I was thinking, like, like, how can you sum that up, this idea of heaven? Well, it's, it's this idea of future hope, right? We, we have a longing, and, and we have this homesickness, and we have this longing of heaven, and it's an incredible hope. But, but, that's, but that's later, right? So salvation, friends, positioning Christ, our indwelling of the Holy Spirit is our present hope. You have hope now. We can taste the kingdom now. Let me talk real quickly about the spiritual healing. Salvation. Receive the forgiveness of sin and commit your life to him. I invite you to do that today, friends, if you haven't done it. Spiritual attack. This could, be, this could describe some of you. Need the ability to discern the truth and the strength to live in the truth. Oftentimes a spiritual attack is when we are confronted with a lie from the evil one and we believe it. Or maybe you're dealing with a foothold or a stronghold. That means that, that the evil one has gotten in a little bit further and he's put his foot in the door, so to speak, and it starts in the mind often, foothold or stronghold, and you're dealing with addiction or bondage. Christ said, I have come to set you free. You need to be set free. Maybe it's spiritual pain, anger with God, improper view of a healthy relationship with God. Maybe you've been hurt in a church and you need to be restored. And this last one really got me thinking, especially in the first service, this long COVID, because some of you are dealing with this idea of long COVID. Coming out of COVID, you still have the symptoms and the impact of COVID that you're dealing with physically. And it made me think, what about spiritually? Something happened in COVID to us. Something happened to the church during COVID. Long COVID, spiritually, are we dealing with apathy? Are we dealing with complacency? Are we, are we at a place where we need to be awakened to God? Are we at a place where we need to have our hearts revived? encourage you to think about that. Where are you at? How is your heart? Are you dealing with long COVID spiritually? Did that season do something to you that you need to take a look at? And say, God, revive my heart. Physical, emotional, and spiritual pain. In just a minute, the praise team's gonna come up and, and we're gonna sing a song. Um, but I wanna invite you during that song, we're, whoever's here, pastors, elders, we're gonna be down front. We just wanna offer a prayer. And when you come up, you might say, my name is so-and-so and I'm, and I'm struggling with this. Or, um, or I have somebody in my family that's struggling with this. And, and it could be physical, it could be emotional, it could be spiritual, whatever it is. Just be honest with us and tell us your name and we, we love to pray for you guys. Let me leave you with one thing. He said this in Exodus 15, 26. I think this just kind of sums it all up. I am the Lord who heals you.
Father, thank you for um, your word. Thank you for the hope that we have, Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. Probably all of us in this room, Father, you know us. You know our lives. You know our physical life. You know our emotional life. You know our spiritual life. That all of us fall into one of those categories probably where we need healing or two or maybe all three. I don't know. But you know. And you are the healer. And so we're going to look to you, Father. We trust in your sovereignty and your power. And we trust in your perfect will. Thank you for being here, Father, and just um, allowing us to have an incredible time of worship. Worship in song, worship through the word, worship in fellowship. We love you, and we worship you. In Jesus' name.